Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the unfiltered mental health podcast dedicated to talking about all the things no one wants to talk about in real life. My name's Christina, your host. Um, And if I'm being completely honest, this is like my sixth attempt at recording this intro. Um, I'm, it's embarrassing, really. I'm such a huge perfectionist that when I try to record these, if, if I mess up one time, or if I feel like I sound stupid, I'll like stop and start over. And then I get to the point where I'm worried that I don't sound genuine enough. And so um, it's just just a cycle. And I want to be more, um, you know, honest with you guys and honest with myself. Like no one really cares. When it comes down to it, why should I be worried about how I sound? You know, it's you guys. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I've been up to since I got back from Virginia. Um, I'm back in Seattle now, obviously, and I've been thinking about how things were last year when I first moved here. Um, The weird thing about moving to a new place is that you're experiencing everything for the first time. So like when I moved here, it was my first, you know, first winter in Seattle, first spring first summer, etc., etc. Um, and now that I've been here a year officially as of December 28th, I'm experiencing all of this for the second time around. But in a way, it feels like the first time around because things are just so drastically different than they were last year. It, it was a really, really rough year, probably the roughest year of my life. And I spent the majority of it just you know, not really myself. And so coming into 2020 with more clarity, it it is like a new place, honestly. Like this sounds cheesy, but when I walk down the street, places that I've been before, they they just look and feel different to me because it's like I'm experiencing them for the first time. Um, And don't get me wrong, I'm still fucked up. I still struggle. But it's nice to just not be blackout drunk all the time and wanting to die. You know, that kind of puts a damper on things. <laughs> Another way this year feels different is that I've been a lot more social. Like, I've really been putting myself out there more, uh, which does not come naturally for me because it's no secret that I'm an introvert, always have been. And that's different than being shy, by the way. Um, whether or not you're introverted or extroverted it just means whether or not you get your energy from people or you get your energy from being alone. So as an introvert, people drain me and I need my quiet time in order to stay sane. But with that said, over the last decade, I have really been working hard to get out of my shell and initiate things more. And I'm really proud of the transformation. Um, But, you know, I'll always be an introvert. I'll always, you know, have to take my socialization in moderation. But anyway, the reason I bring this up is because someone told me recently that they're jealous of my life because it looks like I have so many friends. And I kind of like laughed at them because in my mind, that's so not true. I mean, it's really easy to present a different life than what you really have on social media. And I don't know, I, in my mind, I'm still the weird dorky loner girl who doesn't have any friends 
I, I think the reason that I've been trying extra hard to socialize lately is because it's a good distraction from just being with myself. And, and that sounds kind of bad. It sounds like I'm using people, but don't get me wrong. I love my friends. I love hanging out with them. But I, I'm the type of person who just I'll spread myself so thin over the week just to avoid being by myself. And as an introvert, I get burnt out and uh, that's never fun. So I guess the point of this is just to say that I'm trying to work on specifically scheduling time to just be by myself and sit in my own company and put my phone away and um, do something like work on my typography or read. But yeah, I've just been trying to balance the socialization with quiet moments of reflection. And um, it's really cliche, you know, got to find that balance. But when it comes down to it, balance is what we all need. And it is an exercise to find balance. And so, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Speaking of working on things, I am actually seeing a new therapist uh, in a week and a half. Um, She comes recommended from my friend Rachel. And I'm really nervous, but also, you know, I'm ready. Um, It's been a while since I stopped seeing my last therapist, who is the one who got me into the hospital and basically saved my life when I was suicidal. So, yeah, it's about time. I always tell people that they should see therapists, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. So, you guys heard it first. I'm seeing a therapist. I'll let you guys know how it goes. All right, I'll stop talking about myself now and uh, start talking about the wonderful episode with Annie. I met her online and she talks about dependent personality disorder, which I'd never heard of before, but it's a very rare disorder. But um, because of that, the people who suffer from it are typically very lonely and don't come out with their experiences. And so if you listen to this and relate at all, um, I encourage you to reach out to either me or Annie. She gives her contact info later on in the episode. But um, yeah, I really believe in people with mental health problems banding together and helping each other. Obviously, that's why I started this podcast. And as always, I am looking for guests. Uh, I feel like a broken record at this point when I say that, but I really do mean it. I'm always looking for guests. I love talking to you guys. I am honored that you continue to uh, share your personal lives with me and be vulnerable with me. And and not just me, but, you know, the listeners. Uh, It's truly inspiring and humbling. And um, yeah, it never gets old to me. And Uh, I'm just going to get right to the episode because uh, I'm rambling. But uh, as always, thanks for listening. And I hope you guys have a great Monday. I like just remembered to hit record, which this is like the fifth time this has happened where I've started to talk (laughs) to someone and then realizing I'm not recording. You'd think at this point I would have it down, but no. Ah. You're still learning. (laughs) I guess I can say that after a year of doing this. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, Oh, no. I mean, well, you know, rather tell the listeners about yourself because I I know a little bit about you. Um, My name is Annie and I'm 25 and I have 13 pets. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
yeah. But I have dependent personality disorder. Dependent personality disorder. I don't think I've heard of that before. Ah, yeah, it's it's kind of rare. It's like um, 0.1% to 0.3% of the population is diagnosed with it. So there's not a lot of people. And it's difficult to find, like, resources because there's not a lot of people. And so it's very isolating sometimes. (laughs) I can imagine. Have you always been an animal person? Definitely, yeah. I've had pets of my own since I was three. So I've always had animals to tend to and love on. What was your first pet? Um, I had two cats named Barney and BJ after Barney the TV show. I don't think I've heard of that one. The purple dinosaur. Oh, my fucking God. Barney. <laughs> I. We weren't allowed to watch Barney growing up, believe it or Why not. not? Um, I, don't, I don't even know, honestly, probably because he was magic. Oh. <laughs> but, um, I, wow, I'm really embarrassed right now. <laughs> no. I was I like, like, is that a crime that. show? What is that? But then, no. of course, you were three, so why would you be watching crime shows? <laughs> he was my favorite until I was eight. I watched him, like, religiously. <laughs> and then once you were eight, you were like, I'm a big girl now. I need to move on. My best friend told me Barney was for babies, so I had to stop watching it to be cool. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you had your cats to carry on the legacy. Definitely. And my cats, they were lovely. They let me do pretty much whatever I wanted. Like, I could, like, carry them around, and they just fall asleep in my arms. And I was a little rough with petting them because I was a baby. But they just let me. They they, they loved me, and I loved them. So since then, you have you always had a pet, at least one? Yes. So you want to tell me about the pets that you have right now? Okay. So I have five fish. One is a beta and four glowfish. I have a mystery snail named Honey. Um, I have three rats. I have a leopard gecko and two dogs and a turtle. That's everybody. Man, that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're very time-consuming most of the time. So I stay very distracted tending to them, and I don't have to think about anything else. Distraction? Yeah, I was going to say distraction is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about growing up. What was your family like? My family's lovely. My sister's father is a jerk, but he was a truck driver, so he wasn't really around. So most of the time, it was just me and my mother and my sister, and they're my best friends. So when he was gone, everything was lovely. He was very manipulating and controlling, and he had to have a say in everything that happened. So I tried to stay away from him as much as possible. But he's still in my sister's life, and she's only 18, but she's good at telling him off. (laughs) She's very bold, and I never was. Well, yeah, I was going to ask if you've ever felt comfortable saying something or... No. No. It's a dependent personality disorder trait, actually, to just allow negative things happening so you can keep the support of somebody else. I guess let's jump right into that, because I'm super, super curious about it. Uh, What exactly is it, first of all? It's a personality disorder that's in cluster C personality disorders, which is the anxious and fearful cluster. There's usually, like, a dependent person, and the person with DPD picks a dependent person, usually just one, and 
just kind of makes them everything and goes to them for all their decisions and they believe that they can't take care of themselves without their dependent person or else they can't survive. So this is kind of like being really needy in a relationship, but it takes it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a very clingy person. My display name on Peach is Queen of Clingy, and I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, how how long have you been dealing with this? Well, one of the causes of DPD is rejection at a young age. And I was rejected by my sister's father that I was talking about before. He just never really wanted me. And that really took a toll on me. And so I've had it since then, probably. But I was only made aware of it within the past year. Oh, wow. That's pretty recent then. Yeah. And you said it's super rare. I I hadn't even heard about it. It's really hard to diagnose because, like, there are a lot of reasons that you might, like, have an actual legitimate reason to depend on somebody. Like, if you're a young child or if you have a disability and, like, you actually need someone to take care of you. And also, when it's diagnosed, you have to rule out borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder because they have, like, similar symptoms. And most psychiatrists won't diagnose both one of those borderline or histrionic and also um, dependent personality disorder. So it's either one or the other. Yeah. So what are the symptoms? I can tell you the criteria. I have Yes, been. I love it. You're prepared. <laughs> um, The first one is has difficulty making everyday decisions without an excessive amount of advice and reassurance from others. Like, I didn't even like this podcast. Uh I didn't consider it being a thing until Beth, who was on the cupboard of one's own, recommended it. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. So. So you just need a little push. Yeah, definitely. Well, Um, I'm really glad that you're here. And I really appreciate (laughs) it. This is not... Nearly as scary as I thought it'd be. (laughs) That's good. The second one is needs others to assume responsibility for most major areas in his or her life. Because everything that I decide is wrong or bad. Unless somebody who is more responsible and capable can do it instead. Gotcha. Um, The third one is has difficulty expressing disagreement with others because of fear of loss of support or approval. I feel like this is because not many people know that I have a personality disorder at all mm-hmm. because I feel like if somebody wanted to take advantage of me, they could use that as like a tool, like a little crowbar. <laughs> totally. Has that happened to you I, in the past? Yeah. <laughs> I get easily like friends that I choose as my dependent person, like to use and manipulate me. And if you're not, like, one of my safe people, then I won't disagree with anybody at all because I just want them to like me yeah. and be good to me. <laughs> and, you know, and, you feel like they're more capable of making decisions than you are, so whatever they yeah. say goes. Definitely, yeah. I don't know if this is a DPD thing or just anxiety, but if somebody says something, like, my friend mentioned in passing that, Uh, He doesn't like when people are pretending to be mentally ill and I panicked (laughs) because I thought (laughs) pretending to be mentally ill for attention. Well, it's imposter syndrome. 
That's yeah. a legit thing. <laughs> I mean, combined with the anxiety you already have. And I actually would be curious to talk about that, that what your friend said, because I know so many people who are mentally ill and they feel that way. Like they don't have a right to be mentally ill or they're just faking it for attention. That's a very real concern. Yeah. The fourth one is has difficulty initiating projects or doing things on his or her own, which is difficult. And I don't have a job. When I have had jobs, I would like, I just need somebody to give me constant instruction. And if I don't have that constant instruction, I have like panic attacks and it doesn't really work. So I always, the longest I've ever had a job was three months. Oh, wow. And that was like 13. So I just kind of gave up. (laughs) Do you live by yourself or with someone else right now? No, I live with, there are six people in my house. Okay. It's my whole family and my boyfriend, who is my dependent person right now. Gotcha. We'll get to that later. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The fifth one is goes to excessive lengths to obtain nourishment and support from others to the point of volunteering to do things that are unpleasant. Uh, The sixth one is feels uncomfortable or helpless when alone because of exaggerated fears of being unable to care for himself or herself. And those all apply to you? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Some of them, I feel like they get repetitive. (laughs) Like, I feel like this is all the same thing. I mean, not really. I I think they're all different facets of the thing itself, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I mean, it is such a rare thing to be diagnosed with. I feel like you, you have to be really specific with the criteria. Definitely, yeah. Um, seventh is urgently seeks another relationship as a source of care and support when a close relationship ends. And I think, like, I've never really been in an abusive relationship. But I think that for people with DPD, I think this is a very easy way for them to get themselves into abusive relationships because they won't really put a lot of judgment into the person they're choosing. Yeah. Like, if their grandmother dies and that was their dependent person, they have to very quickly find somebody new. I'm very lucky that Bug is so good and kind and wonderful. But there have been times that I just let a friend who was very clearly using me um, or a partner that was cheating on me. And I just let it happen because I needed them. <laughs> well, when's the first instance that you remember feeling like that, like you made a, the wrong choice? Well, I didn't know that I had DPD at the time, Okay. but I was 16 and I had this best friend. We kind of started, we got into a relationship, Okay. but she wouldn't like show me any physical affection unless we were in front of a big group of people. And I was not very comfortable with my sexuality and I didn't feel comfortable (laughs) being affectionate in front of other people but that was the only time that she was giving me that love and I found out later that we only dated because there was another girl in our friend group who had a crush on her and she stopped being able to manipulate her the way she wanted so she used me to better manipulate her Jesus yeah and I knew about this like six months into the relationship but it continued for like another six months because she was my dependent person (laughs) You probably so, had a, did, did you have a lot of people like telling you to break up with her and stuff? Yes, definitely. Like all my friends saw it and like it was very obvious. <laughs> like I think even the girl that 
she was manipulating know what was going on. But it just, she was very good at manipulating. <laughs> now, what, what keeps you from leaving the person in that situation? Because, I mean, I, I'm sorry if I sound ignorant at any point. I just don't really know a lot about this. Um, like, yeah. Like, when you leave, like you said earlier, you used the example of your grandma dying. Um, you find a new dependent person um, or depended. Is that what you're saying? Depended person, yes. Okay, so, yeah, so um, in that sort of situation, when everyone's telling you it's the wrong decision, what keeps you from leaving and finding a new depended person? Well, the eighth one is is unrealistically preoccupied with fears of being left alone to care for himself or herself. And I just feel like if I have to take care of myself, if nobody else is there to tell me how to take care of myself properly, that I won't be able to do it. And... I like, I don't know, I won't survive. I bet, I bet your anxiety has a lot to do with that, too. Yeah, I think that because I'm diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder on top of having a anxious cluster personality disorder. <laughs> so I have like, I'm a very anxious person. When were you diagnosed <laughs> with the anxiety disorder? Also a year ago. OK, well, more like it was May 2018. Okay. Uh, I didn't. I was very secretive about any mental health issues that I had because I had friends who seemed to have it worse, and I said that if they could do it, then I can too. And then my little sister started showing signs of mental illness, and she got like she had this moment where she was really suicidal, and I couldn't stand that because she's my best friend. Yeah. So I told her that I was suicidal also. And then my mother found out, and I started going to a therapist. So going to a therapist was, like, the best thing that happened to me. And I'm sad that it took my sister also having problems for me to get there. But I'm glad that therapy is good. <laughs> yes, I agree. And everyone does things at their own pace, you know. You yeah. weren't You weren't ready before then. And, you know, if that's what it took, that's what it took. And uh, how's your sister doing now? Oh, she's doing great. She has issues handling stress, but for the most part, she's a very together person. And she was mostly just going through a really bad phase in her life. Mm -hmm. And she has anxiety, but I think she's a lot more together than I ever have been. <laughs> That's usually how it works. you got to pave the way for your younger siblings. <laughs> yeah. So back to the this toxic relationship when you were 16, um, what did it finally take to end things um it just kind of it just kind of ended <laughs> there was like a clear end to it we just stopped talking I don't know <laughs> anything that isn't like a really good positive memory for me I tend to like shut out and just not remember and I think that's one of those things <laughs> yeah no I'm the same way a lot of portions of my childhood are like blurry yeah did you find that to be a repetitive pattern growing up, like getting into the wrong sort of relationships? For the most part, I'm really good about choosing people. Like, I was wrong about her, and after her, I had a boyfriend that cheated on me, and I stayed with him over and over again. But other than them, everybody's been really good and kind, and our relationships just ended because we were young. So, so you're, you're really good at choosing people. Um, except yeah. when you're not, I guess. 
<laughs> there have been two that I've been wrong about. But for the most part, when I think somebody's wonderful, they always tend to be wonderful. Okay, so over the years, your depended persons, they have been, for the most part, healthy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really curious about this because, um, like I said, I don't know a lot about your dependent personality disorder. But when you describe it, like, my mind immediately jumps to it being a bad thing to be dependent on someone. So the person who is your dependent, do they know about it normally? Or I know it's a, um, new, a new concept for you as well. Yeah. Well, I used to think that I had borderline personality disorder because I knew what that was. And um, there are like overlapping symptoms, like I said before. And so I knew what a favorite person was, which is someone that just like you're really attached to and you feel really strongly about. And so I just assumed that my dependent person was my favorite person. So I would explain it in those terms. I mean, like it's. I think they're pretty close. I was going to say, what <laughs> are the differences? Yeah, there's not a whole lot of differences to my knowledge. Okay. But I also don't have borderline personality disorder, and I've never experienced having a favorite person, so I might be wrong. <laughs> what does that relationship look like exactly? I ask Bug a lot of questions. I don't tend to make decisions on my own. Like, if I had something that I need to do... I, I go to him or I go to my mother or my sister because like, okay, usually there's one dependent person, but I kind of have four. I think Bug is my main. Like if, if he's available, then I'll go to him. But if he's not, then I'll go to my mother or my sister or my favorite friend. Gotcha. So that's kind yeah. of nice. You have like a group of people to help keep you safe. Yeah. Now you yeah, used, it's, it's helpful. You <laughs> used the term safe person earlier. Uh, for you, what does that mean? Like, what are the things you look um, for? Just, like, somebody that's proved themselves to be, like, as unjudging as possible. Like, everybody's judging a little bit, even if they try not to be. But for the most part, they accept me for who I am and try to help me just because they care about me. And that's that's safe. Yeah, for sure. A really, really interesting fact that's, I, I don't know where to put it, but it's a thing that I know. Yes, Is tell that me. there's more men in the UK diagnosed with DPD, but in the US, there are more women diagnosed. Really? And I don't know why that is, but I think that's really cool. That is really cool. Maybe men over there are just more transparent with their... Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know anyone else with DPD? Um, well, there are subreddits. And I talk to some people on the subreddits. But just like in passing, I don't actually know anybody. Gotcha. So um, okay. what role do pets play in DPD? Like, can, are, can you depend on them to an extent? Well, my pets, they depend on me. And I can make decisions for them easier than I can make decisions for myself and like it helps me to have somebody that depends on me that I can take care of and just it shows me that if I can take care of them maybe I can take care of myself and that always doesn't help but for the most part it it's, it's helps a little bit <laughs> yeah no it sounds like it 
So your your current boyfriend, how how did you guys meet? We met on Tumblr. He was sending asks to uh, somebody I followed, and I thought he was cute, so <laughs> I followed him. Nice. He lives 600 miles away from me, and we dated for like uh, five months, and he took a vacation from his job to come visit me, and he stayed in my house for the week, and then he went away, and it was the worst thing that's ever happened. So, like a week after that, I ended up moving up to Ohio, where he lived, and I stayed there for three months until I missed my pets, and then I ended up coming (laughs) home with him. Yeah, I can't imagine you leaving all your pets like that. I only had one dog at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. That, um, that's a lot different than 13. <laughs> for a long time in our relationship, any time that I got sad, uh, he would buy me a new animal. And I get sad a lot. <laughs> so that's what contributed to the 13 pets. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like a lot to, of work to take care of. But then again, that's helpful for you. Yeah, he kind of stopped getting me new pets as a reaction after we got to a certain point. He said our bio load has been reached. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's only so many. And after that, it just becomes too much. (laughs) Yeah. Did you latch on to him as your dependent person right away? I don't think so. I think it was more of a gradual thing because I was pretty dependent on my mother at the time and I lived with her and then I met him and I got all obsessive and when we started dating which was like two months after we met I was pretty okay and it was a normal relationship but uh, when he came to visit me and then he left I couldn't I just I, I couldn't survive without him I needed him around so I think it was seeing him in person that made yeah. him my dependent Were you expecting to feel that way about him or did it come kind of as a surprise? Well, I didn't know. That was like five years ago. So I didn't know. (laughs) I just thought that I was a very obsessive person. I wasn't aware of the reason behind my obsessions. Did you just think there was something wrong with you? Yes. (laughs) And and that was going to be another one of my questions. Like you've told how other people can hurt you by taking advantage of you, but... Uh, we haven't really talked about the effects of your personality disorder on other people. Like, have you ever found yourself pushing people away who aren't comfortable with your, like, obsessive tendencies? Yeah, definitely. The thing is that I get so intense at the beginning that the the people that are okay with me being intense and asking for direction every five seconds are the people that end up staying in my life. And the people who aren't okay with that get weeded out very quickly. So there's not, like, a whole lot of attachment formed before they end up just leaving. (laughs) Have you always had a lot of friends growing up, or do you tend to keep, like, a handful of close people by your side? I'm not very good at in-person friends. Most of my life, I've just had friends on the internet. Okay. And I've been in a relationship with somebody since I was 12. So there's been my boyfriend or girlfriend, and then my internet friends. And that's pretty much it. Do you find it easier to be in a romantic relationship than maintaining platonic ones? Or like, (laughs) why is is it that you've had, you know, you've always been in a a romantic relationship, but you have problems having friends in real life? 
Well, I, I'm always in a relationship because I don't do well single because it's scary and I don't know how to take care of myself. So gotcha. I, I always find somebody who can help me take care of myself. But um, I don't know. I guess it's just more accepted to be clingy because I was 19 when I started dating Bug. And so I think that high schoolers are always kind of clingy in relationships yeah, because they're babies. So I think it's easier for teenagers to be really clingy than it is for adults. And I've never really experienced dating as an actual adult. So I just got really lucky. (laughs) If it makes you feel better, I haven't either. (laughs) I just go from like long-term relationship to long-term relationship. I've never really dated. And that's something I want to do. But also it's like, eh, do I really... (laughs) The idea of dating seems really fun, but it's also very intimidating. (laughs) Exactly. Especially if you deal with, like, mental shit. Yeah. Um, At what point in a new relationship do you tell people that you deal with mental shit? (laughs) Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it really depends on the person. Mm. Like, my first boyfriend, I I feel like I, I waited a good while, and I feel like that was still too soon. (laughs) Just because he was kind of immature. Uh, Yeah. But my last boyfriend, I told him relatively early on, and he was cool with it. Well, I was also in a healthier place. That's one reason I'm not dating now is just because I don't feel like I'm healthy enough to do it. I wouldn't want to put that on someone else. That's a really mature thing to do, though, (laughs) to be single just to figure yourself out. I mean... I think that's really... It's like... It's not something I particularly want. Like, I do get lonely, <laughs> uh, and I would like to yeah. be with someone, but, you know, life is crazy. Life is very crazy. <laughs> what about you? When when do you disclose that kind of stuff to people? <laughs> well, my boyfriend found out when I found out, because I didn't really talk about it until I was 23, and I was already with him. So gotcha. that's when I started to therapy and I was diagnosed with all this stuff and that's when he found out I've never really told anybody like before things were like really serious so earlier when you displayed symptoms I mean you've all obviously you've been having symptoms your whole life before your diagnoses um did anyone ever come up to you and be like um there's something wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) this guy I dated for like three weeks when I was 14 broke up with me because I was crazy is what he said he said you're crazy and I can't handle it and um after that everybody that I dated also had mental health issues so we just kind of tried to mesh our mental health issues (laughs) together I think that's a strategy so yeah (laughs) did did you find it to work or did it just kind of make things worse most of the relationships I was in wasn't like a relationship that I needed to be in it wasn't like I wasn't I didn't love the person I was only with them because I needed somebody and because they were like my best friend and so this is the first relationship that I've actually loved the person that I'm with and felt like a relationship should have happened in the first place it would be nice if we could just know ahead of time which person we're supposed to end up with so we can skip everything in between (laughs) definitely yeah But I think that when I was a teenager, I was just not very used to people listening to me. And when I found somebody 
that was kind to me and would listen to me talk. I'd just like, oh, I'm clearly in love with you. Yeah. And I would start dating. So I think most of the people I dated, I should have just stayed best friends with. Uh, now, how do you approach all this with your therapist now? It's difficult because I live in a small town and the treatment for DPD is like short-term treatment. Whereas for most things, it's long-term treatment, but it has to be short-term because I might end up dependent on my therapist or my psychiatrist, but there's like nobody else for me to go to. I have a psychiatrist and a therapist and they're the only people that do their job in this town. And I don't drive, so I can't really go out of the town for those services. So we try to not talk about it. <laughs> we talk no. about it as little as possible and just mostly deal with my anxiety. Okay. Do you feel like you would like to talk about it with someone? Like, is it a, at this moment, do you feel like it's a, an issue for you? Like something that needs to be overcome or do you just kind of live with it? I would like to be able to be self-sufficient, <laughs> okay. but like, <laughs> well, yeah, obviously um, that was a stupid question on my part. <laughs> <laughs> they think that this is the best course of action and I can't tell them that I don't agree with them because then they might get mad at me and I can't deal with that. So I just kind of do whatever they say. <laughs> is it is it your decision to have boundaries with them? So they won't become a dependent person or is that them? It, it, it was their decision. Okay. Do you feel like, how do you feel about that? Um, well, I don't like my psychiatrist, so I don't think that I would become dependent on her anyway. <laughs> she wants me to, uh, rehome my pets. Oh, shit. And that was like, in one of the first sessions we ever had, she told me that I should give my pets away. What the fuck? And so I never really liked her. But, um, no, my Sorry, I'm just, I can't believe she said that. (laughs) And I love her a lot, and I might be a little bit dependent on her, but I don't know. She's really good. (laughs) I feel like also, like, that's just the nature of therapy. You naturally become a little dependent on them for anyone. Yeah. Yeah, but I have, I have issues, and they're like, I try not to think about it. But when I think about her having other clients, I get, like, really jealous gotcha and, um I, I i get very possessive yeah that's that is a problem yeah <laughs> so i know you mentioned treatment earlier but what kind of treatment currently exists for dpd well i don't have the answer for that because we don't really talk about it i what i have is just what i've googled and gotcha. what people on reddit have said and there's not like a whole lot. Most things on Google just repeat the same thing. And it's just what's in the DSM-5. Is it a pretty new disorder or has it been around for a while? I'm pretty sure that it wasn't in the DSM-3. But I don't know if it was in the DSM-4. How often do they update that? I don't even know. <laughs> um, hold on. Give You're me supposed a to have all answers. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, uh, go pee while you look that up. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the DSM-4 was released in 1996, and the DSM-5 was released in 2013. Okay. You said uh, 
DPD has been around since the, the third one? Since the fourth one, I think. Okay, so it's been around for a while. Or at least, yeah. like, it's been known about for a while. Um, when you talk to people on Reddit about it, like, ha- have you found any helpful information by talking to them? Or We mostly just talk about, like, okay, so the most active subreddit has, like, 450 people on it. And then that's our dependent and our DPD has like a hundred. So it's not, it's not very active, but mostly just talk about how to be less clingy and like make rules for ourselves about how to, when to talk to our dependent person and how to not be obsessive over them. (laughs) I feel like that could either be really helpful or it could help you like obsess more over them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that most of the people that are on there are pretty young though they don't feel like they're older than me you know yeah I I feel like teenagers today have so much more knowledge about mental health than we did growing up oh definitely yeah like all the they know all the terminology and all the obscure disorders and whatnot is that a weird thing to be jealous of I don't think so (laughs) I think that being aware of this stuff early on would be very helpful (laughs) yeah so, I mean, what does your f- future currently look like? Like, do you have a plan to kind of become more independent? Or are you just kind of living one day at a time? I'm trying to get SSI right now so that I have a source of income that's mine. So that I don't have to, like, go to somebody else for money. And I think that would be really helpful. A nice little first step. Yeah. And I'm considering learning how to drive. And then I could just borrow my grandmother's car anytime that I want to go out. And then I don't have to ask somebody to drive me places. Yeah. And getting rid of the actual legitimate need for other people that I have, I might be able to get over the need in my head, you know? Yeah. I like that. You're focusing on, like, concrete physical steps you can take, which is really, really healthy. Yeah. Because it's easy to just, you know, try to tackle everything at once. And, like, that's way too much. Driving is really scary. Like, I have a lot of anxiety about hurting somebody. And I know that, like, millions of people drive every day. And most people don't hurt anybody. I mean, that doesn't but... make it any less scary, though. Yeah. And it, it's... People I mean, that's a legit. <laughs> yeah, that's a legit fear. I mean, I don't want to, like, tell you that you're going to kill someone. <laughs> like, but... Um, no. But, yeah, I mean, you should be aware... And worried about safety. I think that's important. I, I, I notice everything when I'm driving. And I think that's helpful more than it's hurting me. <laughs> totally. Most people don't pay enough attention. Does Bug help you with any of this stuff? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> he is afraid of the idea of me driving. Because I also have, I have neurocardiogenic syncope. Say what? (laughs) It's, I faint sometimes is basically what it means. And sometimes I have these like bouts of blindness where um, for up to a minute, I can just, everything goes black. But I have a pretty good warning for both my um, syncope episodes and my blindness episodes that I think that it's enough time for me to pull over. It's like one to three minutes. And it's not, like, immediate, but it's enough time. That's super scary, though. 
Yeah. How, how long has that been happening to you? Oh, uh, you know, my first episode was when I was six. <laughs> Damn, did it, like, freak your parents out? Uh, yeah. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth, and I told my mother that I couldn't see, and she yelled at me to open my eyes, and I ran into a chair, and she noticed that my eyes were open, and <sighs> I just couldn't see anything. Holy shit. That's terrifying. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> that's, like, a genetic thing that happens? Like... I, I need yes. more information. Yeah, it's genetic. My uh, my father has seizures, and his other daughter also has seizures. And I don't have seizures. I just have fainting spells. Fuck. So it's better than seizures, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, what can you do about it? Well, I was 12 when I got diagnosed, and they told me that I could take steroids for it or I could just wait to outgrow it and my mother wasn't comfortable with me taking steroids so I'm waiting to outgrow it (laughs) um is that like something that happens I have been told it is it's happening less and less like it used to happen once a week and as of right now the last time I fainted was three months ago okay so it's getting better (laughs) <laughs> That's still scary, though, just not knowing when it's going to happen. I mean, yeah, you get the warning signs, but... I have to drink a whole lot of Powerade. <laughs> Powerade. Yes, I-, I love Powerade. What's your favorite flavor? <laughs> um, I like the uh, the light purple one. I've never had that one. Is it grape flavored? I don't know. I just know that it's purple, and it's, it's Powerade Zero, and it's purple. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because I hate grape-flavored things, so I, that's why I don't buy that flavor, but it looks really, like, pretty. <laughs> I'm not fond of grapes either, but I really like the color purple, so I eat and drink a lot of grape-flavored things anyway. <laughs> You're, like, just waiting for the day that you start liking it. It'll happen eventually. <laughs> um, is your family pretty supportive of you like now that your family knows about your diagnoses like what's the reactions been my mother when I told her about dependent personality disorder she was like yeah definitely because I told her before that I thought I might have borderline Mm -hmm. and she did research and she was like no that's not you at all she is happier with the diagnosis of dependent more because it just fits me better (laughs) yeah she has a new husband who is not my sister's father who is a really good father figure to me Nice. and like he doesn't need to be because I was 18 when they got together and like I was grown and I didn't need that anymore but he is just because he can be because he cares about me and that's really cool I think oh totally we need more people like him yeah definitely he's he's good so you're pretty transparent about your disorder with them yeah is it something that just like comes up in everyday conversation or like i'm curious how you deal with it on a daily basis um we don't really talk about it a lot i don't like to talk about it (laughs) so you came on the podcast to talk about it for an hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like the people that listen to this are safe and good people but like most people just don't know because it just feels like a dangerous thing to tell people yeah. So I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, you, people can take advantage of you because of it. Yeah. Have you ever had conflicts with your family because of, like, the ways that it's held you back 
for instance, like not being able to hold down a job? No. Um, I think my mother was pretty upset with me when I dropped out of college because I couldn't go to class anymore. When Um, did you go to college? I was in college from January 2013 until June 2013. Okay. And I dropped off to the first semester because there were issues with the relationship I was in and I couldn't handle it. So I just stopped going to classes and never went back. <laughs> gotcha. And shoot, your mom so was pretty my, upset about that. Yeah, because I didn't like properly drop out. I just kind of disappeared. And so my GPA, if I were to ever go back, is like dead. So that's something I'll have to deal with eventually. But I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah, baby steps for sure. Yeah. My godfather told me that if I didn't go back to school, he'd disown me. But that was when I was 19, and I'm 25 now, so I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you haven't been disowned yet? No. <laughs> is that the your mom's current husband, your godfather? No, my godfather is my mother's best friend's husband. Gotcha. My mother's current husband is my stepfather. And that's the he- healthy father figure in your life right now? Yes. That's yeah. good. So earlier I was, like, asking you how you distinguish between someone with DPD and just, like, a regular clingy person. Um, Yeah. Do you have any, like, advice for someone who might kind of be on the fence about it? I think being completely honest with the person that you look to for support is definitely important. Because I think that uh, they need to know what's going on in order to help you better. (laughs) And I think keeping it from them isn't productive for anybody. So what what would that conversation look like? Like, how do you even start? I don't know. Um, I guess just sit down and like, maybe like make a little script. That's what I always do. I make little scripts. And then I sit down and just try to tell them everything that's on my mind and hope that they take it well. And if they don't, then they weren't right for you and that's a really scary thing but it's important to find people that are good and safe and kind i i have a very good judge of character for the most part except for people that are really deceptive i know you like you're you're great at picking good people and everything it just still would make me nervous like being honest with them and letting them know how much you depended on them like does that Is that ever a fear that you have? Yeah. It's really hard when they're not, like, just completely safe. Because, like... Are there different levels of safe? Yeah. (laughs) Um, (sighs) Explaining things is difficult. Trust Um, me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because they could take their support away at any time, and that's really scary. But... I think there's a time where you are sure and feel safe in the relationship that they support you just because Mm -hmm. and that they're good. I don't know. I mean, it Um, has to do with trust, too. Is it hard for you to trust people or do you find yourself to be too trusting? I'm very trusting. I trust people like the second I meet them until they give me a reason not to trust them most of the time. Which, in a perfect world, that would be ideal, right? Yeah, but 
people are mean sometimes. <laughs> yeah, people kind of suck. <laughs> I would be nervous that my dependent person would like push me away once I was completely honest with them. Um, do you like yeah. with bug with bug for instance? Like, did you straight up tell him like, hey? this is what I have and you're my dependent person. Congratulations. <laughs> or like, uh, how did that, what did that look like? He's beside me now and I'm not sure how much he's listening, but oh, I don't okay. even think that we've had uh, the conversation about my diagnosis. Okay. Cause I just don't talk about it, but he knows that he's very important <laughs> and he knows that I need him for support in my life and that he he makes most of the decisions and so and he's happy to provide that support for the most part he has issues with decisions sometimes and that that presents a problem oh yeah no one wants to make all the decisions all the time (laughs) I mean if they do then that's a different kind of (laughs) issue (laughs) but I mean he sounds like a great dude I'm really happy that you have each other and your pets, obviously. Yeah. All 13 My of them. My pets are the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've always said this. It, pets can teach you a lot about life. I'm lucky that my family has always had pets growing up. Like, we learned about life and death really early on and, like, taking yeah. taking care of something. Like you said, it really does teach you that you're capable. Pet deaths are hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's part of life, though. Yeah. Have you ever um, lost a dependent person unexpectedly, whether through death or, like, them leaving? In college, the the person I was dating in college, he just kind of vanished. Fuck. <laughs> and I got very depressed, and I stopped talking to all my friends, and I stopped going to all my classes, and I just left all my things behind. So, like, all the things I owned were in a storage unit at the time. And I came home. So what was that breakup? Or I feel like calling it a breakup, it gives it too much. Like, I feel like it's, it wasn't a breakup because you didn't have that conversation. He just vanished, right? Yeah. Well, we're best friends now. Yeah, but back <laughs> but, then he kind of ghosted you, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, he very much did. Yeah. And it was very difficult. But I don't know. My mother was there and she was mad at me. But she was really good. She's a good mother. And she um, comforted me and told me that boys are stupid. <laughs> yep. Solid advice. <laughs> I think that's great, though, that she was supportive for you, like, before she even knew that, about your diagnosis, you know? Yeah. And she, like, she never pushed me to do things that I was uncomfortable with. And even, like, when we were struggling financially, um, she told me that I could either try to get a new job or we'd have to move. And she never like forced me into getting another job because she knew how hard it was for me. Yeah. And she's just, she's a really good mother. I was lucky there too. <laughs> yeah, she sounds amazing. Very understanding. Yeah, definitely. Going back to your breakup, is your response pretty common with people with your personality disorder to just kind of like <laughs> drop everything and like detach from everything? I'm not sure. I don't know anybody. Uh, I'm yeah. my experience is the only experience that I've ever known about. It sounds very um, lonely. Like I don't know what I would do without my community of 
people in, in similar situations, you know? It's awful because, like, being alone is one of my biggest fears because of my personality disorder. And I just, I feel very alone in it. And it's it's very scary sometimes. But the only other person I've known with a cluster C personality disorder had avoidant personality disorder. And I feel like that's very opposite of me. <laughs> totally. I, I haven't really heard of that one either. Yeah. I mean, they're both kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, I think so, for the most part. They avoid people because they're afraid of rejection. And I cling on to people really hard because I'm afraid of rejection. So, so it's, it's, it's kind of the same, but opposite. Yeah, it's like two sides to one coin. Yeah. Are there, like, support groups that exist for this kind of thing? There probably are somewhere. But I live in the middle of nowhere. And nobody talks about it on Tumblr. And nobody talks about it on Reddit. And those are the websites that I go to pretty much exclusively. If no one talks about it on those platforms, then it's probably not getting talked about enough. No, definitely not. <laughs> like, it, let's say you were listening to this podcast and you had DPD and you, you didn't know people. Like, what would you want to hear? The most comforting thing that I've ever learned is that it can be treated and then it can be cured. Like, you could, if it's treated correctly, you could live one day without it completely. And really? self-sufficient and not have that need for people anymore and that's my goal is to get to that point where I can just be by myself in all my guests I've ever had you're the first person to talk about their illness being curable yeah <laughs> which is awesome a lot of people just assume they have to live with their mental illness forever I think a lot of mental illnesses are like that yeah. I don't think there's a lot that you can get over but this one is one of them. <laughs> I mean, not that you can just get over it, but, you know. Right. Oh, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I believe in you, though. And I think, oh, like, you. you have a really great plan of just, like, one little thing at a time. Like, very tangible steps. I think that's super important. Yeah. Rather than just say, I want to be more self-sufficient. You're like, okay, maybe I need to start with learning how to drive and then go from there. Yeah. Things that are visible, things I can touch. <laughs> yeah, that's super important. Yeah. I really want to thank you for, like, being vulnerable about your situation and educating me and our listeners. I was really scared at the beginning, but I think that this conversation was really helpful for me. Because <laughs> really? I don't really talk about it. So it's it's nice to just, just talk. <laughs> Do you... Um... I mean, I can edit this out if you want. Would you, if anyone feels like they're struggling with this, do you want to drop your, like, contact information or Instagram or something for them to reach you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, I'm Poison Fairy. It's Poison, F-A-I-R-I-E. And I have Tumblr and Snapchat. And if you can message me on one of those, I can give you my WhatsApp number yeah, I think it's super important for people to be able to contact someone else with a similar problem and know that they're not alone. I am absolutely terrible at talking, but I'm good at answering questions, I think. so. I think you are. You've, you've done a good job on this ep episode. 
Ah, wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was so fun. It's so it's always surreal for me to hear people's voices that I've met online. Yeah, definitely. You're such a lovely person, oh. and I I appreciate you and look up to you a lot. And I think this podcast is such a wonderful and amazing thing that you're doing. Thanks. That means a lot, really. Like I. It... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm so grateful for the community that it's brought me. Like I like everyone listening and everyone who's been a guest. Like I appreciate you guys so much. Ah. Oh, good vibes all around. <laughs> all right, bye. bye.